The Red 78. The most important thing was the intensity and the mentality to go after the game. As a coach, why did he only give away nine penalties this week? Available every Wednesday. Don't miss a moment of action. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mode. Time for us to turn our attention to rugby. I'm delighted to welcome Keith Wood back to the show. Keith, good morning to you. How are you? Morning, Jared. I'm Grace. Thank you. Um, we we've been having a, a few offline chats about the strength of the game, the rude health or otherwise of uh, rugby generally at the moment, and particularly in light of what's going on with the English clubs going to the wall, and then the constant noise about uh, player health and player welfare. Um, there's the historic stuff of the players who are now suing the organisations, but there's also the week in week out toll that the game is taking at the moment on its current players in terms of serious injuries and concussions etc and um, so we're going to have a little ramble through those topics and, and um, some of the laws and, and the speed at which it, the length of time that it's taken for the games to get through so I don't know I talked a little bit earlier on about um, the, the kite being flown of maybe having a conversation starter about the game going to 12 aside, and that this was something that we should at least tease out and have a conversation about so maybe that's a good place to start yeah, I kind of, it was funny. It's, it's, it's an existential sort of conversation. And yes, I think we can have a, a little bit of fun with it, if that makes sense as well. I mean, I don't know that we need to be too serious on it, um, but it's trying to have a look that if there was an alternate universe almost and you were having the game, what would the game look like? And um, I kept kind of picking holes in, in the things that I worried about. That's I think that's where a lot of the conversation came from, which... You know, we've been kind of nattering on this for a while, but um, some of the laws of the game are hard for fans to view or there's enough grey in it that it makes it very difficult and everybody gets kind of angry or energised with it. Um, some of the finances of the game seem to be accelerating towards an end, which isn't great. And some of the injuries make it incredibly hard to watch. So if you were... You can't have a game that has three or four concussions every time. Um, like that just can't that can't be allowed to go on. So it's how then do you kind of reimagine the game? I think that's kind of a way of looking at it. And like that twelve aside, I mean I spoke to a couple of guys um that would be much closer to the professional game. Um and they were they were looking at it and saying, look, twelve aside could be something that would work. And I remember when I first heard that idea of that 12-a-side competition, it was last year, the year before, I really disliked it because it was another another format, another way of playing the game. Um, but if it was the only way of playing the game, if it was instead of 15s, what sort of an impact would that have on the game? Well, the players would end up being fitter because they'd have to be because there's more ground to cover. You probably lose two wing forwards, so the scrums may take a little bit less time to to um, to set. The lineups would be far um, less complicated. You'd only have five in the lineout. Um, the you'd probably lose a centre, and so defensively, I don't know that you could necessarily have that rugby league type of defence because I think you have to cover more players in the field. Because so it might go back to a more side-on defence and definitely far less two-man tackles, which is one of the issues that we have. So I think there's merit in it. I think there's merit in having a conversation on that. It also has a knock-on impact in terms of the size of playing squads get smaller and so therefore slightly more affordable. 
Yeah, I mean, look, all these things would have a knock-on. I mean, like, we talk a little bit about the game in England and people would wonder, why are we talking about it? Well, whatever happens over there has an impact over here because it has an impact in terms of the European competition, but also in terms of viability of the sport in general. So they do have an impact. And as it stands at the moment, so much of the game in everywhere, actually, is unsustainable. So you can see it with South Africa playing... Um, uh, New Zealand in England before the World Cup that is a, that's an income generator I mean yes it's a good match for them to play as, as prep but it is a income generator because all the all the teams are you know not all of them but the vast majority have a shortfall in cash so it's gone to this place of being relatively financially unstable and is it I was trying to figure out what CVC's plan for all of this was because they've been very quiet over the last um, period of time, but they've invested huge money into the game. They, they invest the money into the game because they obviously have a vision that they can make a lot of money out of the game. Um, and how is that happening if all the teams are losing money? Well, that doesn't seem to kind of ring true. So it almost looks as if you're waiting for a few teams to fall by the wayside and you're then left with a... Uh, a, a system that can generate enough of funds to break even at worst and then maybe try and make money as well. So, I mean, the long-term view of the game is that that would happen, but um, I think it makes it very hard when uh, when, the, when so many teams, actually some of the teams are going out of business almost. Yeah, well, I mean, at the start of COVID, we did a series called State of the Union where we spoke to people from yeah. all around the world, <clears throat> all different backgrounds, um, uh, about what we thought might happen but at that stage it was like this game is kind of struggling a little bit on a couple of different fronts and what's happened is that um, the the tide went out and you get to see who swimming naked in that um, famous David McWilliams analogy uh, and it turned out like the, the premiership which was supposed to be this global powerhouse that was going to take over the game and all the best players were going to come and play there it's not sustainable at the moment and that's why conversations like 12 aside which in the past would have been, ah, no, that's that's a joke. We can't even, what's the point in talking about that? You know, now all of a sudden, you have to start thinking about how this game is going to be sustainable, if it's going to be sustainable. Yeah, I, look, there's three things for it to be sustainable. We have to reduce the amount of injuries. That, that can't be the case. Um, we have to put a bit more space in the field because we need, it needs to be more exciting, you know, and if everything is incredibly tight and packed with players, that's where a lot of the collisions, the additional collisions are going to come from. Um, we have to make the laws a little bit easier and there has to be some bit of viability in it. I mean, I just, I had a quick look just at some of the prices of, of tickets. The, the best price ticket in Harlequins for the next game against Gloucester is £70. That's €80. Euro. That's an expensive ticket. You know, um, the most expensive ticket in, in Thoman Park, I think, is €45. Euro. So that's it's a, it's a lot more value over here. <clears throat> but it's scarcity value in, in Harlequins. It's packed all the time at the moment. So it can be viable. Whether willing or whether people are willing to pay that amount of money for it all the time makes it, uh, makes it another issue. Why, why now, Keith? Do you think, uh, I guess, the, the Wasps and, and Worcester situations... Bring it into the, the the forefront a little bit more, but like we've seen it in cricket, for example, with the hundred series, and, and and sports are always trying to find ways of of coming up with new ideas and get new fans on board and keep the current fans they have. So, uh, is now a, a turning point? Are we at a, a sliding doors moment for rugby where where it needs to be now to to, to kind of make some changes? 
Yeah, I, look, I don't know. And I, like, I'm looking for changes to try and cover a whole variety of different things. That's what, that's where I'd be looking. So the idea of reducing injuries, um, and especially concussions, but injuries in general, we look at all the teams at the present moment in time, England, Ireland, Munster, Leinster, Ulster, Connacht, you know, the, the, the injury amounts that are there on large squads, squads of 50, 50 people with maybe, 25 or 30 percent injured that's 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 a very tough place to be um but i'm I'm not looking for an other um it's not me looking for it but you know i don't think the game needs to have another format but it may need to change its existing format somewhat because it has to be more sustainable and um um, you know, having another one means more matches, more things. That's not what's needed, and that's actually where we've 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 almost looked like we were going, which was let's bring in a, a, a twelves as an add-on to the existing sevens uh, and fifteens. I don't I don't agree with that as it stands, um, but I. Look, I, I want to be able to watch a game at the weekend and have it to be incredibly intense and fantastic and fun. And you'd still want to make certain that all the players walk off at the end of it. And that's not happening at the moment. So that kind of, I, for me, that's one of the main um, uh, leading signs to some level of change. It is a quick update in the cricket. There were two successive balls where uh, an English player humped it up in the air and an Irish player dropped it and it was like oh my god uh, head in your hands territory and then the next ball after that Harry Brook humped it up in the air and this time it wasn't dropped this time Ireland have caught it so England are 67 for 4 they're chasing a target of 158 and uh, the win percentage of Ireland has I think tipped over 50% for the first time so uh, it's looking good for Ireland against England in the T20 at the moment um, and, uh, look cricket is a bit of a mess actually it's not a, not a bad analogy where there are some fans of this sport there are some fans of the one day 50 over and then there are some fans of the test sport and nobody's quite sure what they're looking at when they're looking at it so rugby can look at other sports and go we just need to get this right because it's very quickly easy for us to slip off the radar of TV companies audiences parents who want their kids to feel safe and parents who want to feel safe watching their kids play the sport too like it's a it's a complicated ecosystem that rugby is operating in at the moment it is but when you look at the existing forms 15s which is traditional and um look i'm a huge fan of 15s and sevens which is far it's far easier to play. It's it's very exciting, but doesn't have the uh, the the full reach of the other one. But it's a much easier g- game to play. I think it's the the best entry into fifteens is from sevens, and that's for people who don't play. It's something that is hard, physical, but there's an awful lot of space. Um, and uh, like when I look at cricket, yeah, I used to watch cricket when I was when I was younger, but um, when it went off TV. Um, onto onto satellite TV, it lost a huge a huge amount of supporters. And when you have a, a global element and the um, the subcontinent element in terms of cricket, that is a huge driver, and that's been a colossal driver for for the T Twenty um, um, for something that's infinitely more exciting. And that is the market that under which it's based on. We look at where Rugby Fifteens is based on. Um, it's how can we make that a little bit safer, more financially viable? Is there a change that could be made there? Or is that something that could be the death knell for us? So we don't know. It's like I said it at the start. It's 
why not throw out the, these ideas? Why not have a, a sense of curiosity as to, instead of just presuming that this is perfect and we can't move away from it? Now, you could say we make it's, we'd be making it more into rugby league, but I don't think it would have to necessarily be. And if the scrum continues to be as important as we all believe it should be in the game, well, then it won't ever get towards rugby league. And the lineouts uh, are another very large mark of difference. But you can't make the pitches bigger. You know, you're not going to change any of the stadia. So is there anything pragmatic about reducing the numbers down somewhat? Yeah, definitely, worth, try, yeah. definitely worth doing the research on it and seeing if, if that is something that has a significant knock-on impact on the number of concussions. Um, you know, instinctively you would say, yeah, let's get some data behind that and, um, and trial it. Definitely worth it as a thought experiment. The other issue in all this, of course, is how watchable the game is in its current um, mode. Some teams eminently watchable, where the balls in play the whole time. You know, there was a, a brilliant um, URC game where uh, two teams who were intent on trying to score scored a couple of weeks ago um, when uh, Leinster played at the RDS. And then sometimes you watch international rugby, like the Lions South Africa games, where it's two hours and it feels like it's about five hours. Uh, this is also a significant, I would say, barrier to entry for new fans coming in. It's like, well, why why did the referee make that decision? when there were 15 other things going on at the same time that he could have made a decision on. Is the simplification of the laws something that's worth discussing? Well, I, look, I do think so. I think there should be... Um, the, the laws have to be made easier for fans to to understand, but they also have to be easier for the ref to ref. You know, it's it's... Like, we see difficulties all the time and conversations going around the referees all the time. And... Um, like I mean, there are a few outliers to elements of that, but the the way it the way it was, and it sounds like an old man thing to say, so I qualify for that. But the idea of uh, respecting the referee, well, that's been eroded an awful lot because there's an awful lot of people shouting at the referee, and I think if you suddenly tidied that part up, that would make it infinitely easier. So you don't have guys. Um, looking for decisions. The only person who should talk to the referee is the captain and the captain should, uh, they should treat each other with respect. And that has just been eroded ever so slightly now. Um, But I would speed up everything. Um, 30 seconds. I know they started looking at these, uh, but 30 seconds for scrums, lineouts, kicks, that's about the full extent of time that you have there with it. Um, uh, you know, like some of the laws have been changed for safety reasons. They have been have made the game, I don't know whether they've made it safer, but they've definitely got rid of an awful lot of guys being tipped in the air. There's the, a lot of high headshots are being so seriously um, um, uh, penalised now that it is going to have an impact over a period of time. But the players, that takes time. And all these things take a little bit of time. So... I, I do think the game is changing. I do think some of the things they've done are uh, are exactly what was needed. And I just wonder whether more is needed at this stage because um, like I keep looking at every single squad that comes out at the present moment of time. The injury list seems to be getting longer and longer and longer. Um, the, the, the level of complication, they keep talking about comparatives with soccer. Soccer is unbelievably simple to play and to watch and to understand whether it's a free or it's offside or not it's pretty it's pretty easy rugby is not easy would you expect keith any pushback whatsoever from say the rugby purist to any changes to the to the natural game and the the game as we know it or is it a case of 
people just get used to change over time and, and it, it would become accepted slowly but surely yeah well I don't know and I, I, again we're spitballing here so we're trying to figure out what do, what do we think could make the game better mm-hmm. I think it brings it back in many ways to the purest because you might bring it back to a proper clean strike in the scrum and that seems to annoy everybody that the ball doesn't come, go in fully straight um, but uh, I think it brings it back to more space and the purest uh, you know the days in the past didn't mean that the game was better but it meant there was more space and you could see more almost individual skill at different times. But like, I think, Ger, you mentioned it a, a while ago. Some of the games that we've watched over the last few weeks have been absolutely phenomenal. Um, and, but we're in the first, we're in the second month of the season and now we're looking at huge injury lists all over the place. So are we going to see those level of games all the time? What if there was a little bit more space? Yeah. So I don't know whether the purists would be upset by that, actually. Yeah, I think that uh, if if a proper piece of work is done before any changes happen, then you should be able to get buy-in from most stakeholders, particularly if you're making the case that this sport is unsustainable as it currently stands. And like, let's wait and see what the payouts are or what settlements are reached with the former players who have suffered. And then you have to build that into your future plans. And are we making enough money to pay that into the future? Or are we actually deciding that we're not going to pay that in the future because we're going to make the sports safer? You know, you're not, you're not going to eliminate all risk and you're not going to prevent people oh. from saying, uh, you know, I, I need more money for what happened to me during my time. That, that's always going to be part of all major contact sports but if you at least take all the steps you possibly can to limit your exposure then that makes sense too so um all right was there anything else on that on that bit that have we have we talked we've talked about the laws um the financial situation i i mean something else has to happen in the meantime before any major change to the game going to 12 aside because uh, the precariousness of the english clubs is very interesting to watch the knock-on impact that's going to have on the rest of the game well, it is, and it depends on how many more are, are under pressure. I mean, when you look through some of their accounts, um, they have lost a lot of money over the last few years. How sustainable those elements are. There was uh, the uh, one of the newspapers had a comment that uh, one of the WASP players had been on 400,000 and was now being offered a contract that was only 60,000. And then they were saying that this was derisory. Well, that's an interesting line coming from a company that uh, supposedly is 112 million in debt. Um, you know, you have to have a look and see what um, what is the viability at the end. Like, I think whoever offered him that money, I think they may have been guessing that they can get a really good player at that level. But their salary cap is already spent, so the responsibility is for them to 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 make certain that they can balance their books at the end of the year. And so a lot of the balancing of the books that's happened in England has been, and a little bit in Ireland too, by the way, has been from um, sugar daddies uh, uh, in in the UK coming in or in some of the Irish systems where they, they look for um, for people to make donations in to try and, and bolster up the finances to cover different things and to, to be able to bring other players in. Like that's very hard to be sustainable when it's reliant. It's not reliant on how much money you're making on income. And if your income doesn't cover all your expenditures, that's not really a good business. So as a business, it makes it very, very difficult. And you're looking at at the finances saying, um, is it going to get to a case where you end up with eight or nine or 10 clubs in, in, in England 
and that can be financially viable, but that it isn't if there's 12, 13 or 14. And it could be that case. It's getting to the stage where a lot of the conversations that we had at the start of COVID are now becoming more urgent. I guess that's the, the way with like everything, right? Uh, you know, certainly you think about the, the world burning and uh, everything's getting urgent. Like, do you feel from your conversations with people in rugby that there's a coalescing of views where something needs to be done quickly, otherwise the situation can get out of hand? Um, I think there's a high level of frustration with the risk that they're dealing with all over the place. Um, and I think if you forget about the business just for a moment and and we talk about the players, like there was... Uh, Wasps made 167 people redundant two weeks ago. Um, Worcester, the same. You know, that's there are people who have mortgages, who have families, who have, you know, everything. And that, like that, that has happened. So we're seeing we're seeing it being that stark for people. And I think there's a human component to that that seems to get bypassed at different times. Um, I think there is an, an urge for people, you, you know, for the vast majority of the teams in the UK, they are, they're topped up by, um, by, by, a, um, by an owner at the end of every year. And they're okay with that. They seem to be comfortable with that as an idea. Um, but it's the risk items that are coming in now, partly on the back of COVID actually, that there's some of the, t- some of the clubs have taken on additional, additional debt because, um, because of the situation. We've been fortunate in Ireland because we got grants rather than loans. And so um, so it's not as precarious, but it is still always precarious because you're trying to work in a, uh, in a marketplace that spreads across Europe for the most part for Irish players. So if other players are, or other places are willing to pay more, do we have to pay more? So that always puts pressure on at different times. Whether there'll become a readjustment now and that the, the prices and the, the, the values that are being paid to the players will go down to make it sustainable, well, that might cause another problem and another issue because players might say, well, I don't want to play at that level yeah. entirely. Yeah, it's a conundrum. Um, we didn't talk about any of the, the current stuff at the weekend. Um, Most are getting a lot of plaudits. Uh, Gordon Darcy saying, you know, it's going to be a long, slow road, but the, the bricks, the road they're going on is at least the right road. What what instinctively did you feel after the game about where Munster are after the defeat to Leinster at the weekend? Um, I thought Munster hung on um, by their fingertips for a, a large part of the first half. Um, I thought they had a chance a couple of times that they may have gone on to win the game um, uh, and they didn't. So I would be disappointed with the fact that they lost the game. But I was what I was happy about was... Um, with a diminished team and Munster don't have the strength in depth that Leinster have the the effort was there which was fine you expect that all the time but we didn't see that at different times so I looked at it in light of the Munster-Leinster games of the last three or four years and I I just thought Munster played and tried to play and without some of the the quality that they would need in the backs um, but they played they had a cut they defended incredibly well. Their scramble defence was excellent. Um, and it looked, there was a, an awful lot more offloads and tip-on passes. And they looked as if they were, you know, the, the line I used a couple of years ago was that every time, we, you know, Munster 
Leinster played Leinster, they didn't fire a shot. Well, they fired enough of shots. Um, they'd like to have fired a few more. Great to see youth getting a chance. I would agree with Gordon Darcy. It's going to take a period of time and patience for that to pay dividends. And they are struggling with um, with an injury list now at the moment. So it could be one step forward, two steps back. Um, Munster will still be annoyed they lost the game. And I was disappointed they lost the game. But I did see steps in the right direction. Um, now, there are steps that will have to be accelerated as, as quickly as they possibly can. But um, there was a move away from some of the rugby we've seen over the last number of years. So you actually do feel um, hopeful then about that, that, okay, so we're not getting carried away, still a defeat. The scramble defence was good, but actually there's green shoots here of, of a style of play, a philosophy underpinning that style of play. The players look to be enjoying that style of play. And even though it was a weakened side, they were performing at a level that looks like a team with a plan. Yeah, I, I felt that was the case, actually. I mean, when you looked at the centre pairings against each other, um, um, you knew Monster were going to suffer somewhat. Uh, Ringrose and Henshaw were excellent and have been excellent um, um, all season. And well, for the last number of years, um, Goggin and Scannell are not at that level and uh, don't have the handling ability. And I, I'm sure they're, they're going to be working on it because I don't think they were used for that for the last period of time. So it's trying to, to get Mikey Prendergast to, to, to give these guys the confidence to try the pass, to, to, to make those things happen. Because you play with the players that you have and you have to be able to perform. But I thought they were heavily outmatched. And yet, defensively, I thought they did well. Ball in hand, not as slick as you'd like it to be at all. And so they're the things that, look, there was calls for a long time for a more expansive play, uh, a game that was almost a bit more natural for, for the Munster guys. Mikey Prendergast has come in to do that. That can't happen overnight. That has to happen over a period of time. Keith, can I just ask you on the uh, the um, Finn Russell situation over in Scotland? Um, and it's a bit of a, a bizarre one. Um out of the Scotland squad I know Stuart Hogg was removed as captain as well Gregor Townsend making some uh, some power moves uh, I don't want to compare it to the, the Ten Hag-Ronaldo situation at uh, Manchester United at the minute but I mean it would be a shame to not see Finn Russell at a World Cup next year given his talent and he's only what I think he's maybe 29 or 30 years of age and if it's about you know his, his performances I think he had 18 points and 3 assists uh, for Racing against Montpellier last weekend so it's not like he's playing badly but um, strange but uh, certainly will be a disappointing thing not to see a player of his talent at the World Cup Yeah I mean I, I, look, I don't know anything behind the, the scenes of that I would know that Gregor's view having played with him um, and I know him pretty well his view is he wants Scotland to be winning. So he wants the team to be in a position that will actually consistently play well, get better all the time and win. So um, whether he is doing this to try and get a reaction from Finn, um, to try and get him back to, to be really, really hungry and wanting to get it, you know, back into the Scottish team, um, you never know because you never know what the what the story is behind behind that. Mm. Um, I know there was issues uh, with over Discord last year and the year before. Um, is this a way for for him to say, look, nobody is is sacrosanct and everybody has to has to be part of the team to do it? I, I don't know, but I mean, it's we would say in looking from the outside to say, my God, he's such a talent, um, um, and maybe he might be difficult to manage. 
But um, is this part of that plan to try and manage so that we do see him in the World Cup? I, I, again, I don't know. Um, it's hard to to be able to see players of that quality and not have them in a the squad. So um, I think it's one of those interesting things, but I'm kind of more interested in looking at the Irish stuff than I am in the Scottish stuff because we know we, we have to deal with them. Um, in many respects, would that make them more dangerous against us? I don't know. Keith, good stuff. Thanks so many for joining us. Cheers. Cheers, gents. OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mode.